Welcome to another episode of Talking Shot. In this episode, we speak to travel photographer Jacob James. And Jacob is also an X-Rite Colorati. So at the end of this episode, there will be a code for you to take down. And if you go to the X-Rite website, you'll be able to get 25% off X-Rite products. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Shot, the filmmaking and photography podcast. I am Ross Greve. I'm Esther Ling. And I'm Matt Jacobs. And today we're joined by Jacob James, a travel commercial photographer. Would that be fair assessment, Jacob? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, travel photographer and a bit of everything else in the in the background. <laughs> Excellent. Welcome to the show, mate. Uh, thanks for popping on and your uh, busy schedule. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, what's new in your neck of the woods? Um, not a lot. <laughs> 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 what about your neck of the woods? Neck of the woods. But you've got um, one, of, one of your, well, when I first met you, you was uh, travel photography was your sort of key um, photography, especially around Eastern Europe and Romania and all that sort of thing um how did you sort of fall into that because that's not an easy thing to sort of fall into is it um so my i guess the 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 starting story of how i got into to travel photography was actually um back when i was younger um i always wanted to to be a doctor actually um and I applied for, for medical school the year that they increased university fees when everyone else applied. Um, and I think the applications were like three times higher that year. And obviously wasn't good enough, didn't get into med school. I so need a doctor, I, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I decided <laughs> to, James. Uh, to, to run away from, uh, from responsibility for a bit. And I went traveling for, for six months uh, in Southeast Asia. And how old and were you then? I, were you about 12, were you? Uh, yeah, 12 going on 18 um so yeah I, I went away for six months um didn't really have much of a plan uh, i was already doing photography but nothing particular um and then it kind of slowly snowballed from that trip i took some pictures people seemed to like them and then I went to uni the next year. Whilst I was at uni, I was just uh, trying to build uh, build it into something, spending my student loan on traveling, not on real life things. Mm. Um, and then fortunately, by the end of, of uni, I was in a pretty good position that I could uh, do it full time. And I was kind of lucky, you know, a few months after uni, I, I did a couple of big projects, which eased the financial burden, I guess, of diving into the real world post uni. Um, Lack of responsibility. Kind of, yeah, lack of responsibility, only knowing how to budget alcohol, you know, the kind of uh, the kind of standard uni things. Um, but yeah, then a couple of months after after I graduated, like I say, I did a few few big projects and that kind of got me set for, for the first year or two. And then since then, I've just been kind of working on on ways to to keep the ball rolling. Because you yeah, you've been quite involved. You've got um, intrepid exposures, which is um, your travel photography um, workshops. I workshops, guess. I guess abroad. Yeah, works. We we kind of sell it as uh, as tours more than workshops. Yeah. But but yeah, we uh, I started intrepid exposures about six months after I graduated. Um, and is it, well, you graduated in was it microbi microbiology? Was yeah. It? 
yeah, uh, medical, <laughs> me- medical microbiology, um, which was extremely useful for a career in photography. Yeah. You never know when you'll need it, especially <laughs> when you're cleaning those sensors. Yeah, n- nice, uh, nice waste of 60 grand there, but you know. <laughs> so yeah, I started intraplastic exposures about six months after I graduated, um, just with the idea that I was traveling to, to a lot of amazing places, but I was also seeing a lot of people unsure about travel, not yeah. knowing how to, to find interesting locations and also kind of a, I guess, a growing market and people interested in learning about photography. Um, but as, um, as, as a travel photographer, do you find it similar to maybe a, a street photographer maybe, but you, you've sort of got to entrench yourself in a community um, more as being a travel photographer so you can get those up close and personal shots of people that you wouldn't normally get as, as if a holiday maker goes out and takes photos. Mm. A travel photographer is completely different. Yeah. Do you use someone sort of out there? Have you got contacts who you call on to, you know, organize where you're going to shoot? And um... Um, gen- Generally, I, I will work with somebody, uh, whether it's like a local person who can translate. Normally, they're not like super professional guys. It's, it's people I get recommended or people I meet. Um, but I think the benefit of that is it just opens up a kind of deeper level of communication and I think one of the hardest things with travel photography is just building those relationships in the first place and that's why a lot of people who try to take pictures well around holidays struggle because I know I've done it when when I've been away with friends and family it's it's impossible to to dedicate the time you need um to to get access to the places or find the interesting places you know you've got other people Mm. hanging around waiting for you yeah So, so what about the the places you've been to What's sort of at the top of your list that you would go back to over and over again? Um, it's a tricky question, one that people ask a lot. I would say there's lots of countries have kind of different um, different pros and cons. Uh, for me, I I love uh, I love Romania. Um, I've been there eight times, I think it's now. Um, the people, the hospitality is amazing, but also there's there's fascinating stories which uh, I haven't found anywhere else. Um, then you've got the more the more I guess I don't want to say cliched, but more commonly visited places for people photography place like. India, yeah. which are like purely fascinating on full like, of color so and culture, and- yeah, and like hospitality, color, culture, like ev- every street corner is is a photograph almost in India. Um, then you have, I guess, places even like Japan, um, which are just weird in so many ways, in in a good way. Yeah, but that's because you don't uh, like seafood, Jacob. That's just my problem. Is that the top part of it is that I don't like seafood, um, <laughs> but, but but also the toilets sing, and I find that kind of discerning (laughs) (laughs) they've they've got uh, heated toilet seats (laughs) quite special waterfall sound effects Mm. (laughs) so yeah so romania is a big thing but when you're you know like yourself and you are a photographer for your job, for your profession that's paying the bills and stuff, whereas someone's going on holiday. Because a lot of people think, oh, travel photographer, holiday, oh, it's the same thing. They just go out and take holiday snaps. Well, it's not. You've still got to create amazing imagery that is uh, marketable and, and sellable. And how do, you, how do you find sort of tackling that beast? Uh, I wish it was a holiday because I'd have a lot of holidays a year. I think I'm in a kind of fortunate position that I've, through some stroke of luck, I've managed to create kind of, revenue streams that aren't necessarily directly 
related to to selling each individual image like i'm not often shooting kind of assignments i do a few type of assignment jobs but um mostly it's more that i shoot what i want um which i guess gives me a bit more freedom to to find interesting subjects i'm not working to a to a shot list and clients expectations so much and i think for me having that kind of freedom actually means that i do often find more interesting things because i can be yeah. a little bit more be curious more i can take the time yeah and i can take the time to but that's to down to your research look. as well isn't it so i mean and your preparation beforehand that you've yeah got to do that. a little bit of little bit of research, a little bit of preparation, but a lot of it is also sitting with somebody who knows the area and going, okay, this part of the map looks interesting. Why don't we just drive there and, and kind of see what we find? Yeah. And then when we get there, speaking to people or, you know, stopping off at the local bar and just chatting to people and, and asking them, look, we're, we're looking for X, Y, and Z. Do you know anywhere? And then maybe they have like a family member or they know a village like in the mountains or something. How do you get a across kind of language barriers do you have a translator with you all the time yes sister you yeah, said that earlier no I didn't yeah Astor, <laughs> Did you're I? not listening you asked Did me I? that question no God. I didn't not a translator you guys must have, you guys must have had a heavy night <laughs> Wait, did I? No, yeah. I didn't. Yes. Not a translator. Yes. No, I didn't. You did, yeah. Uh, I did that to me as well yeah. a couple of weeks ago. You asked the same question. Yeah. Oh. Half an hour apart. Yeah. Oh. Standard. Uh, sorry. Uh, a little bit. Jacob, day, Jacob, yeah. tell the story you told me at the TPS. That, was it the portrait of the woman you had? I can't remember. What, what was she in? The monastery or something? Do you remember you done it at the pro lounge? It was a story behind it about how you got her picture. Do you remember um, that one? Oh, yeah. I, I think, think that I know that. That was a good story. The, tell that one. The image of the uh, the pilgrim in, in, his, in Israel, I think, in that, yeah, so I guess that's the opposite end of the scale when you don't have a, a translator or a guide. Um, yeah, I was, yeah, I was just wandering around the, the middle of Jerusalem um, in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is kind of the the most religious, holiest um, church in Jerusalem, apparently on the, the site of where Jesus was was crucified. Um, and it's a really fascinating place. So inside the church, there's, I think, maybe six or seven different kind of sects of, of Christianity that all kind of have a have a corner of the church. So um, you can see everything from from kind of American tourists to, to Ethiopian pilgrims uh, and kind of everything in between. Wow. Uh, and people come from kind of all over for the world from orthodox regions like eastern europe russia um as well as the western world catholic south america um africa so it, yeah it's a, it's a fascinating place in itself but i was i was wandering around and every now and then you come across scenarios where you see somebody that that you have to photograph and i saw this this lady um pilgrim she was dressed in kind of white um i, I don't know what the, the technical term shawl and a kind of uh, like veil that the ethiopian pilgrims were kind of linen material yeah and i didn't have a translator uh didn't have a guide and i think even after doing it for so many so many years you still get terrified asking people yeah. the international sign picture. language or you know take a photo yeah so um so i actually kind of wandered around the church for a little bit thinking how how am i even gonna like broach this conversation you know it's in a church i don't want to overstep the mark go in at a time when it's kind of culturally insensitive or so i wandered around and after say half an hour i 
uh, I kind of took the uh, the plunge, um, and I thought I I am not even a hundred percent sure what what language this person speaks or if they'll speak <laughs> any English. Um, and I, I just ro- I I roll up and I find my moment and um, I get the uh, the camera out so I can kind of signal to the camera and yep. say, do you mind if I if I take your picture? Um, and it, as I do that to, to the person that um, this particular the person was with, um, I, I get the camera out. I point to. I say, "Excuse me, do you mind if I if I take your picture?" And they just turn around and go, "Yeah, no problem." <laughs> <laughs> and a broad Leeds accent. <laughs> yeah, in, in in a Leeds accent, of course. <laughs> well known accent in Ethiopia. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but have you found yourself speaking about? Have you found yourself in situations before when it slightly backfired? And you've had to sort of backpedal a little bit thinking, okay, right, I've either overstepped the mark or misjudged the situation. Uh, I mean, I know I've done that before. Um, And Um, I'm not sure if I have any particular examples, I, I think as a person, I generally stray on the overly cautious. Yeah. So, um, I don't tend to do that. And I think generally my approach is that if you, if you approach people, um, with kind of, kind of on a human level, yeah. Hello. with a smile, <laughs> yeah. open, yeah. um, as soon as you look nervous, people get nervous. That's very true. Um, so even if I'm the most nervous person in the world going to ask somebody, I, if I can like a little bit of confidence in doing so, then I think it generally pays off. And what I found is that if you're kind of honest with your intentions and open with your approach, that 99% 99% of people in the world mm. will will respect that yeah. and it's very rare that, that I have issues. Um, Do you think the, the um, issue, sorry. I was going to say the most common issue actually is people saying no when they're kind of ashamed of themselves. Right. So you get it a lot in uh, rural communities, especially with like old, older ladies yeah. uh, and older guys as well, where you ask if, if you can take the picture and they kind of know, why do you want to take a picture of me? I'm old, I'm ugly, blah, blah 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 um and it just takes a little bit more work and yeah. generally when you're you not old you're explain, interesting that sort of yeah. thing yeah yeah and and explain what you're doing and, and why you're there you can you can generally um convince people uh and get them to open up um there's there's occasional scenarios where where you can't but i'm a big believer that there's there's plenty more subjects in the sea if you will mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do you find so, that with your imagery I, from travel photography that do you sell any of it as stock or anything like that because a lot of travel photographers do that don't they uh, no, I, I actually don't sell anything as stock, um, partly through through laziness of ever never having set it up, but also purely for the issue of um, a lot of it's people-based. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much of a market there is for that without some form of um, model release yeah. for, for kind of commercial use. Yes. So, and I'm normally not getting model releases unless it's a commercial assignment. Yeah. Um, feel like whenever you try to, to bring in paperwork into a kind of genuine um, organic situation that's developed, it suddenly becomes very weird. Yeah, that's true. Especially when uh, you may not speak the same language. Um, there is apps out there you can use for model releases, but I can completely understand, you know, when you're in that situation, you can't just go, oh, by the way, can you sign, sign on this? The dotted yeah, line. It sort of breaks the moment in yeah. that relationship, doesn't it? 
it. And also I find a lot of people are somewhat cautious in a lot of kind of rural areas because they're used to uh, media or journalists, normally local mm. rather than international, mm. that, that come and maybe comment negatively on some form of tradition they have or, or something that's happening in the village because I guess it's only the same in the UK. Like the, the poorer regions are often depicted as backwards and that still happens in rural regions all over the world world mm. so they're often kind of hesitant anyway with people with a camera any any time you've been in, if you start sorry jacob sorry, any, any, any time you've been in danger any stories like that um i tend to stay away from anything uh anything too dangerous um i think the <laughs> the, the, the closest to to danger has either been through wild drivers in cars and that kind of that's thing. always um, the way taxi yeah. drivers you, you can fukushima be, uh, it's always taxi <laughs> yeah, drivers we, we went to fukushima um i did a small video project in palestine in the west bank oh wow um, that, that must have been cool what was that like where, yeah it was interesting we were i was just videoing basically the people on the palestinian side climbing over the the west bank wall to to get to jerusalem for for eid um and yeah we we got tear gassed but other than that i i tend to stay away from that kind of thing i'm not very good under uh, those kind of situations right but um it's not my it's not my strong point i prefer the easy life but it's with your travel photography as well sorry so you're going to pop in there and say something pop in now i was just going to ask about um sort of a boring question really but people always want to know is about kit that you use um because obviously with with travel stuff i I'm, imagine you want to travel light or look inconspicuous or i don't know so um what what is your kind of go-to kit i guess uh, don't, t- don't tell me go- we've covered that before what's in your bag <laughs> <laughs> my 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 go-to kit would probably be uh something like a panasonic gxa yes. um just with the 15 millimeter lens that beautiful could do 95 percent of what i shoot um the other one would be with a portrait kind of 40 2.5 mil something yeah. like that yeah uh, and then occasionally for landscapes, I always tend to keep the 35, 100, like 70 to 200 equivalent. Yeah. Um, and I think with those three lenses, I can do Covers pretty you. much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I also have used the G9 a few times. I took that to, to Everest Base Camp. Um, and I think the beauty of, just the beauty of that system anyway is that it's so light. Um, I can throw it in a shoulder bag, three or yeah. four lenses. Again. Yeah, yeah. And you're not going to stick out like a sore thumb, are you? No, and if if anything, I think it, it is a benefit. Um, I talk a lot about uh, in my workshops things with stuff like silent shutter, electronic shutter, um, being able to to use a tilt screen, not needing to have the camera to yeah. your eye. Because that's a, that's a huge thing, isn't it? As soon as you lift that camera to your eye, you people go, "He's going to take a photo." But if you shoot from the hip, then people don't tend to yeah. notice you as much. From the hip. Or, or waste or whatever, the hip. the hip help. If you shoot from there, you're not as noticeable because people are used to having their photo taken when someone holds a camera to their eye. So like yeah, you said, you got that. It's, it's not just in not just in kind of uh, conspicuous, inconspicuous, fly on the wall kind of uh, candid street photography. I've also noticed if you're in somebody's home, mm. uh, kind of intimate portrait, portraiture where you're really close, just taking away the, the pressure of the, the shutter fire and the camera as kind of a barrier between you and the subject yeah. actually works wonders for just letting the people relax because I can still be maintaining eye contact, yeah. having a conversation, talking, 
laughing, laughing with the person while still taking the picture. And because the camera's not directly in their face, they're not thinking about the fact that I'm taking a picture. So, hey, Jacob, so moving on from the the travel photography, you've, you've obviously done that very well and very successfully, but you've also moved into, well, design. more of an, a design, an agency that you, you sort of uh, started up with one of your college friends. Uh, and that's gone very, very well. Can you just tell us a bit about yes. that? Yes. So about a year, probably a year and a half ago now, um, me and my friend who's a, a designer, uh, we started a creative agency, I guess born out of kind of frustration with uh, how, how a lot of um, agencies were, were running projects. Mm-hmm. I guess a little bit of uh, naivety and thinking we can do it better, um, but also because we wanted to, to hopefully do things differently, yeah. come in with a like slightly different approach, but also because we felt that our skill sets, kind of mine as a photographer, filmmaker, opposed to the designer, kind of complemented each other. Um, and I'm a big believer in working with people that are better than you in yeah. other areas. Mm. And, and I think it's it's only benefited both of our work in, in that way too. Um, but yeah, we're doing pretty much everything from branding to uh, interactive design to um, video to kind of shooting branded what's, what's, content. What's interactive design? What's interactive design? Explain uh, that. So just basically design that, that you can interact with. So um, one go. example. <laughs> that's, 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 that's it. That's it. That's uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> Give us an example. Yeah, one, one, one example was we did uh, an installation for, for Adobe yeah. uh, in London, which was basically using uh, a technology called variable fonts, um, which is basically traditionally where you have fonts and you can choose like light, regular, bold. Yeah. It effectively gives you parameters that can be anything in between. So right. um, Izzy, my business partner, she came up with the idea that we could perhaps kind of map those to some 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 form of input so i kind of made some very dodgy prototypes using um, sound so you can kind of clap or play music to it and the the font will actually change shape uh, or weight okay cool. of, it's very cool um or the, the other one was to to do light so basically taking the the webcam feed and reading uh the, the looks reading how, how much light is from the webcam and then mapping that so um basically if you make the room darker then the text would become uh, okay, brighter cool. and larger yeah. so i guess that one could potentially have some applications in in usability too but we kind of just we were doing this in kind of proof of concept um proof concept way mm. and then the last one was using a small midi controller and then i think there was like 20 different parameters on that so you could effectively kind of it's a bit of fun you could remix the font you could make it from a serif to a sans serif you could make it italic you could change Sorry, the colors jake what's the, what's the a the midi mixes. controller it's a little device that controls uh, yeah. sound okay. yeah like a small uh, like dj panel right okay like okay and dials so right. effectively if you imagine like a, uh, a, a mixing desk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you take a mixing desk and you can use the sliders and the dials. Right, okay, gotcha. 
Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I guess interactive design, just basically making things playful, fun. Right. But that, that's gone really well for you, very very quickly, hasn't it? So um, you've had uh, some you know international interest um, as well. So that's that's been fantastic. How quickly that's taken off. And I, I know I was fortunate to work with you guys uh, when you shot a film. Uh, 417 and I sort of did some yeah. behind the scenes with you and it was really interesting to see you guys work together and how you sort of bounce off each other too that was uh, that was quite nice to see so it's um, no surprise that it's sort of um, been quite successful it's great it's awesome yeah sounds amazing yeah I think one one benefit is that we're very different people yeah um, just a bit and so we work we, we work in different ways mm. um, our brains work in different ways but we also kind of have a, um, a common ground a, a mutual understanding yeah. that meets somewhere in the middle yeah. so Izzy's a lot more I'll, I'll say she's a lot more creative um, a lot more experimental <laughs> whereas I'm a little bit more logical and right. technical with but that friends. works doesn't it uh, when you have a partnership but, but like that it works quite well because mm. I often think in a more practical way and she thinks in a more experimental way and then hopefully yeah somewhere in the middle we come up with something that's yeah. both experimental and usable yeah oh, that's awesome and but also um we touched on you touched on lightly before which you didn't really talk about too much was uh how you know you obviously done your travel uh, with the agency stuff but your filmmaking side of things so you've been the man behind the camera on um, quite a few projects but um you also starred in a, a movie with a good friend well Stephen Cleary filmed it and you were the model. Do we have to tell people about that? Yes. <laughs> the model. That was the uh, beginning, the beginning, the beginning and the end of my modeling career. Yeah. Model and Dr. James. The, the creatives. <laughs> yeah. The two things I failed at in life. <laughs> oh, but you've got a lovely voice for radio. Fair play. <laughs> Um, But with with all the imagery that you've taken and films, what image really sticks with you and goes, wow, that's something I look at and I think about and I'm really pleased I got that image. You know, something that sort of had an impact on your life as well. Have you got an image like that, that's sort of your wow image to you? It's a very personal thing, I think. Um, I think weirdly with photography, it's often if you take the picture, the things that you're attracted to are very different from what other people are attracted to. So there's Mm. probably lots of images I have that resonate with me because of the person maybe or the situation or the pure luck of wondering how I actually managed to capture it because I'm running and firing the shutter off and not really concentrating Um, whereas other people obviously will look at it and will resonate on a kind of from a perspective of being a complete outsider not knowing anything so either just looking at purely visually or technically Um, if there was one image that that probably comes somewhere in the middle was I took an image of um, a fisherman in the south of Laos. So there's an area called 4,000 Islands, which is between uh, Laos and Cambodia. Gorgeous. And this area, you may have seen, people may have seen it if they've watched the, the BBC um, program from years ago, Human Planet. Mm. Um but basically they have these fishermen and during the monsoon, the rivers swell and create like huge waterfalls. And these fishermen uh, basically build traps on the waterfall to, to catch fish as they're, uh, as they're swimming through through the kind of rapids. Uh, and as they swim through and the, the water kind of pushes them back, they land in the traps. 
and it's yeah really really fascinating area these guys are are pretty crazy um because the water is like wild Mm. and they go they they basically get across by using little bits of wood and rope and these things are often getting washed away um as they're actually fishing um i have this one image where i was i was actually waiting for for something to happen and out the corner of my eye i saw a fisherman dive in with a knife in his mouth on the rope um and i wasn't really prepared to to take a picture and i just picked up the camera i turned and i shot and i got one of my my favorite images and i think it resonates on me in a couple of ways because one i think what they do is amazing two I'm still not quite sure how I managed to, to get yeah. the image. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and three, I think it's also an image that, that has impact on other people too. Um, it did pretty well in uh, Nat Geo photography competition, I think, in 2012, 2013, um, the year after I, I took it. So it's been quite a successful image for me, um, but also it has an interesting story and a kind of personal connection as yeah. well. That's really good. And uh, it's like That's say, important, it, isn't yeah, it? It is. Uh, the, uh, you've got that personal connection like we if we all showed each other a favorite photo we may not like it but the fact is it's it's important to you which is um is the key thing that's amazing so um jacob it's been amazing talking to you mate um and having a brief insight into your life as uh travel agency um if people want to get in touch with you what's the best sort of um contacts to get in touch with you um via my website probably jacobjamesphotography.co.uk or instagram at jacob james photo and we'll pop all those details in the uh podcast description so you see all the links there and you can go and have a look at jake's thing we'll try and get that image off jacob as well and pop that up on uh, the talking shot facebook page but brilliant jacob always a pleasure to talk to you buddy and um we'll we'll catch up soon cheers dude cheers jacob Thanks for listening to Jacob's podcast. As Jacob is an X-Rite Colorati, X-Rite have kindly supplied us with a 25% discount code. If you click on the link below for the X-Rite website and use the code ROSS25, that's R-O-S-S 25, you'll be able to receive 25% discount on your X-Rite orders. Thanks for listening.